0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Risk Roundup. While increasing number of nations are trying to create a unique identification number for all its citizens, the lack of effective legal framework, regulations, identification and authentication tools and technologies are creating complex security challenges. As a result, identity fraud is becoming a growing global problem. Irrespective of whether the fraud is tied to social security numbers in the United States or UID numbers in India or the digital ID in Estonia or in Spain, the emerging reality of identity fraud, crimes and complex security risk is a cause of great concern. To discuss security risk emerging from India's Aadhaar payment system and universal payment interface, I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Amin Agarwal to this roundup. Aman Agarwal is a very renowned economist and a senior vice chairman in the Indian Institute of Finance and he is based in India. Welcome, Professor Agarwal. We are delighted to have you on this ground.
1: Thank you. Welcome. Pleasure being with you again.
0: Wonderful, Aman. So, uh, it seems that unlike other national IDs, UID makes it possible to hack any person's identity and existence to take over property or money or record or anything. Moreover, the biometric data that is associated with UIDs even hacks human's individual identity which can never be replaced. So this seems like a critical security risk facing India as everything seems to be at risk.
1: You see, uh, first of all, it's important to understand that what is Aadhaar which has been created as a unique identification number in this country, you know, it is uh, something for, for an international audience, something similar to a social security number or a unique ID in the UK, but it's a step further than just uh, a social security number, which it used to link only different accounts and structures. And you had to present this as a main ID framework, wherever you are, whether working or doing an assignment or doing other activities or booking a ticket and things like that. So it had become a unique number there. But this Aadhar framework which was created by the government initially when the previous government introduced was in a parallel system to what we saw in the us and the uk and some of the other parts of the developed world however the Aadhar became a different function it had this government looked at it from a different perspective they said it is not only a question of actually creating a number which interlinks because large number of agencies in this country since the IT framework came into picture in the early 90s, going almost to 2010, 11, created a framework which each agency had its own identity an own identity number so that they could computerize, so that they could make things digital and as a result in that span of over 20 years or so, two decades or so, large number of organizations developed and strengthened their own unique ID systems for regulating and processing their documentations in this country. However, now to see a new system take over was a big challenge and that's where the complexity was to how do you integrate about them and that's where Aadhaar came in. So the functionality of Aadhaar was just not a mere ID number or an identification number. It was to go forward in terms of doing transactions, authenticating transactions, authenticating IDs, authenticating any kind of an activity which a person does. So it's like a passport or Within the country
0: and even but, overseas. But that is where that is the challenge emerged, right, Amar? Because yeah. it is used and in the application authentication.
1: That's they, yes, that's the of biometrics came into picture where they have to inculcate the biometrics into the system. Now let us understand one framework that the IT system or the cyber security laws which got established in the United States as one of the first countries to establish it was way back in 2003 and they have been improving upon them since then. So it's been a good almost about 16 years for the United States to actually build upon and enhance the security framework within that country from a national perspective and from a business perspective both. However, in large number of countries in Europe, including India, most of these frameworks came in between 2010 to 2016. In India, we started this journey primarily in 2013 with the first cyber security law coming into picture, uh, uh, policy which came into picture, framework which came into picture. Although in 2008, the IT framework, the IT law framework created a segment and certain acts within it which did look at cyber security, but they were only perspective of business transactions in terms of doing activities and they were not overall cybersecurity framework laws. But so we just started the journey in 2013, almost a decade after the United States started its journey of securing and looking at factors which come in and that's where when this government initially started was only looking at number and looking at certain prints but then they looked at retina scan they're trying to do retina scan they're trying to do biometrics to capture that information of people so that they can actually make it a basic framework id whether it is for financial inclusion whether it is reaching uh, giving subsidies whether it is doing universal income Basic income frameworks, or whether it is question of dealing with people, with banks, financial institutions, stopping frauds, and so on and so forth. So, from all frameworks, this had to be the government has been the first phase of the program was to enroll as many number of people as it can, and so that then they start seeing the benefits coming in, and then every industry trying to talk to it. And those frameworks which are already having their own ITs move from their frameworks and interlock with this. So currently, in the last three four years, we are seeing large number of these frameworks trying to adopt the Aadhaar. Now, certainly, there are risk parameters which are coming in, despite the fact that some of the biggest social networks, which have a high, which are highly IT dependent have uh cyber attacks have information of users going out and we saw recently that one of them said that our passwords of the users were kept in text format instead of an encrypted format so we can see that when advanced level companies which are basically it framework companies working around the globe have such low level of security. It's a question when threats come in, that's when they develop systems and that's when we reform and structure. This government has tried to keep into account what is happening. However, certain loopholes always get on account and that's where I see this incidence where foreign agencies, the foreigners come in and tell us that this particular thing is hacked and this particular thing is hacked and this information is gone out becomes a new framework, a new setup to come up. I recently only three days back in a cyber security which took place, I met one of the IG's of Maharashtra and he was looking after the cyber security cell looking at the way financial fraud, the way criminal activities and he was telling me the kind of advancements they have developed in the last 3-4 years in specific with over about 800 crores uh, which has been given uh, for the IT framework within the country, that's roughly about 80 million uh, uh, rupees being given out just for the cyber security patrolling now that these are these are some of the things which the government of india and keeping defense and other frameworks in tune is trying to do so that this does not just become an id it becomes something which is an enabler which enables business which enables the citizen develops its credit history structures and so that they can do smoothening of businesses whether it is startups whether it is ranking whether it is any framework you look at in this country
0: sure, sure. no that's another five years yeah that's a fair point I you know, any any national idea i mean it takes time for any country to develop such a large database and you know make sure that it's secured and cybersecurity is a challenge for everyone so cybersecurity is not the only concern here the uid number it seems that it's simply a random number that is assigned to unverified and unaudited data submitted by private and all agencies. There is no way that if during the enrollment process, Anybody would go with the document and they would take the retina scan and they would take their fingerprints up there without any verification of whether that individual is who he or she is. And then, you know, once the biometric data is in the database, you can use that and copy that, you know, uh, biometric data and uh, uh, give that ID, UID number to anybody else. So it has created a lot of challenges and especially the legality of the UID number because the UID database is never been. Audited by the Register of General of India. So, how did Uday AI establish how many of the billion numbers they have issued to genuine citizens without a proof of residence and how they could create? I mean, how were so many fraudulent identities created?
1: Yes, I, I agree with what you are saying, and this is one reason why the Supreme Court of India uh, last year actually put a stake on making this Aadhaar a uh, unique identification number in India as a key doc framework for any authentication and all authentication which are taking in financial industry and framework is to keep in this mind which the the questions which are being raised here. However when we see some of these cyber attacks or the the threats which hi, uh, you know hackers have actually hacked Aadhaar data they want only information so whenever an authentication also takes place whether it is through biometrics or through a retina scan the information doesn't get stored. Now these are apprehensions which which I have discussed with UID, which actually looks at and created the other framework. Says that actually all the data is kept in a centralized secure server where it is all secure. Certainly, certain basic information goes out in terms of the names, the the address, which is fed into the system by the people. And they are trying to look and they wanted to actually get it across to people. That's when they actually empowered large number of organizations, small vendors, uh, shopkeepers, to actually go about facilitating, given the fact that they did not have this framework and given the mandate that they wanted to include as many people to create this framework to bring a success. Please imagine that we are roughly about uh, 1.3 billion people and to reach so many people across board, across the country, it's not, we are not scattered or in certain zones. The India is spread across. Unlike China or even in the United States, large number of population is is spread on certain corners in certain parts. But in India, we are spread across the country. And we are so rural that it is not easy to actually go about... Reaching. Recently, when I talked about at Lok Sabha Television, at Rajya Sabha Television, even at All India Radio about a year, year and a half back, I said we must use and convert the post office as a post office bank. Fortunately, they listened, And we also said that why don't you use the post office framework? Because the post offices reach the terrains of this country, the small and smaller cities in this country. Why don't you use them as a venue to go about creating? Uh, not that it is not, it does not happen that they may be frauds, not even after we introduce government agencies to do that, they may be, still be frauds. I remember when I was working in the World Bank and in, uh, in, in New York as well at Columbia, I remember reading in newspapers that even social security, certain people, although one could have only one social security number, but there were certain people who would actually defraud, not wanting to pay back loans, would actually migrate to certain cities and create another social security number, which was very unique because it also had a biometric identification and one could not replicate that biometric. Despite that, that was happening about 20 years back. I don't know, situations may have changed in the United States now, but at that time it was a common occurrence which you would read almost every second, third month coming in that some frauds are being caught like that. So, it is
0: not the UID number—that is the only issue. The issue is that now India is using the UID number and it has tied it to the financial system. So, and India has decided to switch from Reserve Bank of India's own payment system and adopt Aadhaar link payment system to undertake electronic money transfer, and that has opened the floodgates of. All kinds of you know, serious uh, financial security challenges, because now it, it seems that the entire financial system of India is at risk because there is no way to know who is sending money to whom, and you know it, it is uh, many many security risks it seems are emerging in the entire do you uh, see that the entire financial system is at risk because of this move?
1: No, I do not see that as a, a complete risk to the financial system first of all. And I think there has to be a beginning. I remember when even the GST was being introduced, there were a lot of apprehensions of the way things are. People are not still happy with the way GST framework is working in this country. There are still apprehensions about it, certain structures. But there has to be a beginning. You know, when a child is born, you can't expect the child to perform very healthy. Every child is born in a different environment, with the same environment all around. uh, But they are... First of all, the important thing is that is the government becoming proactive? Actually concerned about some of these concerns. Are they taking necessary steps to see that these things are not being done? When the 2013 Act was created, RBI was also informed about it, and RBI is actively creating frameworks wherein they are bringing their checks and mechanisms. Really, if you really see that any credit card transaction which has not been authorized by you and seems to be a fraud, if the owners has been shifted from the customer to this bank. Which was very unique which has not happened anywhere in the world even today there is a limitation that to a certain amount if the if if you inform the bank its responsibility remains on you in large part of the world but in India they made it a complete clear which the banks are now upgrading their systems to see that they are able to take care of cyber security cyber frauds in terms of credit card which takes place in transactions which take place now the responsibility is being put forward on the banks and financial institutions that you cannot get away by saying that it is at the other end because every transaction creates an IP creates a footprint. So when we link it to Aadhaar certainly there is a link and when you're doing an Aadhaar transaction There's always an OTP verification which goes to your mobile, which is still fairly, as I was told, the fraud percentage in an OTP transaction is only about 002 percent in this country as of today. So given that kind of a risk, it is still a very strong method, although it's a very old traditional method of doing it in the IT framework, but it is still a very strong network given the low uh, debacle rate. Which comes in the OTP. So, whenever a transaction is being done through another link framework, you automatically get that confirmation which is there. Certainly, they can never be checks and balances, they can be frauds there as well. So, someone who is keeping a gun on your head has access to you, has access to your mobile. So, when he has a gun on your head, you can always be at scrutiny. Now, the Bitcoin piece saw, the kind of debacle which took place. So, there are ways which go on and things are problem but in my opinion as of today what the government of india with the financial sector in india the Aadhaar linked financial framework is not at a risk it is at a risk for those who are actually trying to single away money who are doing black money who are doing money laundering because their transactions now can be tracked their transactions can now be stopped to a great extent. Their transactions can be brought to a halt by the nation. And that's where the two, or some but of I'm these I'm I'm people have actually what accumulated,
0: a, what accumulated a huge amount of money. What you're telling me is the entirely, you know, opposite to what the reports, you know, are telling that this is now anonymous, you know, transfer of uh, money. So if the transfer is not associated to any bank account, it happens between, uh, you know, one Ui, Aadhaar number to another Aadhaar number. It goes from mobile to mobile. And then there is no way to, yeah, you can track the money where is going where, but who is sending the money and who is receiving the money? There is no way to track that. So it is kind of becoming like completely anonymous, you I'm know, and that increases money. the risk of, uh, you Not know, it's like the Havala transfer. Money. It is it increases the risk of black money or uh, terrorism money. There is no way to know what this money, you know, who is sending and where it is going.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to ask this question because I remember a colleague of mine who was at London Business School and was visiting London Business School way back in 2003 or four, and uh, that time. Uh, he told me, uh, Stephen Sheffer, who was working on the African economy, where actually black dollars used to get transferred from one mobile to the other at a click of a button way back in the, late, in the mid-90s. I'm, I'm talking of imagining the technology which was available in Africa, where we consider it the underworld country zone. find that they were having mobile transfers of black dollars or, or dollar currencies from one mobile to the other, and in, not in a few hundreds, in thousands and, and uh, millions of dollars to which used to be transferred. Please understand, when we are creating these payment gateways through mobiles which are actually taking place today, first of all the telephone number, secondly the Aadhaar number, both get interlogged with the framework because any payment gateway framework which you have to log into today, you have to give authentication for both uh, which is there. So it is not one that one is actually doing. So you have to actually authenticate your mobile number to actually get into that framework. Secondly, you have to authenticate your Aadhaar number also when you're doing this transaction. So there is a dual check apart from other identity checks, which the apps will have to do. So it's not one singular app. Since there are so many payment gateways, even mobile companies now have payment gateways and payment wallets. Now, given that framework, they have to ensure, and that's what I said, the onus has been made on these institutions moving from customers which was the case before. So earlier it will be I or you who is making a transaction will be held responsible for some of these actions which take place, it is now the institution which is providing us the framework which will be held responsible for any of these payment structures which take place and they will be asked the questions first and certainly we will be in interrogation if our IDs or numbers or the aadhars are used. But the owners from us being the primary face a person to the institution has just recently got shifted couple of months back where the government has enforced that the institution need to create that framework because it is all these different different institutions uh, payment gateways which have been created in this country which have to ensure that it is a genuine transaction and they must and they can keep and they can track what transaction to what amounts have been done secondly Even today, the amounts which actually get transferred through some of these small gateways or wallets is very small. Okay? Yes, we have seen cases in the United States where a lot of uh, illegitimate money used to come through Florida and through Mexico in small ticket amounts like $500 and below, which would never be checked. And that used to happen in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, Now, given this fact that we know that they could be small ticket amounts, but there is a limitation on not only the amount. But also the number of transactions you can actually enter into of that nature, that wallet system has that limitations. So it is only meant for the masses to do a small day-to-day transaction activity and not from the purpose of transferring as of today. The huge funds still go through the banking framework, whether it is through NEFT or through SWIFT or through other payment gateways, which are completely, there is a full KYC done. Today, earlier I could go to another bank and another branch of my bank and do a transaction. Today, I can only do some of these transactions despite universal banking, only from my home bank or by completing the KYC framework, which every transaction which I do. So those structures are being created, and since the owners have now moved to these institutions, and the institutions which are trying to fight with the government that we put it on the consumer at the end of the day, are losing it day by day. So the government is very firm on this fact that it is the institution which has to provide that structure and that secure environment. And now the institution, because it's a small cost for the institution to do, to create those authentication measures, to check whatever. Kind of so suppose someone is only transacting a few hundred rupees on a, on a daily basis and suddenly comes up with a a huge transaction, or even ten thousand rupees, or fifteen thousand, uh, uh, or lakh of rupees, thousand uh, rupees or so. So naturally, there is a natural debacle in terms of the transaction history. That check can be done. I remember when I visited the New York Stock Exchange, uh, you know, as a part of a group which was visiting way back in 1999. They had a full trading room. Who having about 150 people who are actually looking at extreme movements, you know, in the stock prices which used to take place. So if there was an extreme movement in the stock prices in either direction, they would actually put that stock on hold and call the respective, uh, you know, uh, company owners and so and so forth, and to bring a check as to what has happened suddenly. Is there a declaration? Why is a sudden move? And this is now being given to the banks banks have that framework, each bank has a system. Now they have to upgrade themselves so that they can do it. And in my opinion, that's where the security on us gets not only shifted, but becomes a more secure environment because it is moving the framework from those who are vulnerable to those who can actually manage it and who can structure it. And that's where I feel is a big change in the whole framework, which I have not seen in large part of the world, in the US there is some restriction which is there that in case I say that this transaction is not done, the bank or the financial institution versus the amount, but then the onus comes back on me because I signed a 100-200 page document which confirms that I have not done and if they're able to tracely locate it to me in some form, I'm behind the bars. So the onus still lies on me in the in case of United States as well. But in case of India now, the framework is completely new Move to the financial institution as it first. Organization to be caught hold of any illegitimate transaction taking place and then it comes to the consumer at the second day. So, there I feel is where I feel the Adhar framework is going to give a more secure environment for financial transactions from a consumer end point of view as well as within the institutional framework because the government it is easy to control 100, 200, 500, 5,000, 10,000 institutions and regulate them as against controlling one point. 3 billion people at the end of the day, one to one transaction. And this is where I feel the framework will create. We have evolved. It is not that we are. St- sure. uh, can I say that we are 100% secure, even if we are able to attain, I feel about 90 levels, I think we are, we are fairly trying to do a bit. And fortunately for this country in the last year and a half or so, we have been able to get the international consensus. International audience, justice agencies, uh, cyber control agencies, fraud agencies like the intelligence agencies to actually work with us, trying to actually defrauding, doing financial frauds, and we saw that in recent cases of Kingfisher, we saw that in recent case of uh, you know the gentleman Modi, who who the diamond merchant, actually bring him back, bringing him to justice. Now that is something which clearly shows that fine, it is taking a little longer, but then given the fact that. Please understand, we don't have a cloud like the United States of America, where we can go about and say certain things. And given the fact that we are a developing country, where we have friends and uh, enemies both working together, we have been able to try and to create a framework, which where we show that if you conduct a fraud and run away anywhere in the world, we can put you and we can bring you back to justice, even if you're in that specific country, uh, where, which may be harboring you or protecting you. And we have seen cases even in the united states where there have been tax frauds i remember mr rich reading about mr rich which defrauded uh, united states by 50 million dollars of tax evasion way back in 1984 85 and he started living in switzerland and he had a happy life and they were saying that even clinton's presidential elections were sponsored by his wife and now you know he was given pardon by clinton and that came in news now, not only him, but there are a large number of other cases like this where actually a lot of money gets swindled off and you're not able to bring those people back to books. And here in this country, we're trying to establish that. For the first time in the history of this country, and I think in the banking framework, we have an MD which is being uh, questioned uh, and being interrogated and being being uh, put on the fact that she did not do a transaction, but there has been a transaction which has been linked to her direct family relation, and which is being questioned and being brought to book. Other bankers have also been challenged. One of the former bankers of the same bank has been questioned and has been removed. So there are these steps, strong, stringent steps being taken to see that people's money remains to the point, that people at the end of the day of this country, percent of the 1.3 billion people of this country feel safe and secure I think the framework with Jandhan movement, with Aadhaar linking, you can imagine the kind of fraud which used to take place at the streets. Now, a small vendor, someone you have come from India, you know, people selling teas, salts, small, small. We see that in the United States, in New York, in certain big cities like New York, DC, and Florida, where some small, small vendors sell things on the street. These are not rich shop owners. Now, they don't have any security. When They, t- they used to do transactions in cash. Now, all of them do transactions in a digital form. At the end of the day, when he is leaving back home, there are multiple securities for him. Firstly, there could be no robbery of him. There could be no threat because he doesn't have cash anymore. Secondly, now this money goes to a wallet which he can use for his life. Uh, upgradation for education of children, which would actually get eluded away by illicit things. which would happen that he will go and play games with his friends or even drink and spend his money on drinks. Now all that money gets saved for development of his family and of the nation ultimately because he is the one, his children are not the one who created this nation, who built this nation in this country. Today we have a prime minister who comes from that community and he understands that community wherein they have this problem of how do you go about managing cash. Now please understand credit cards as a system came back in the 1960s and early 70s. They said, if you look at the initial article, their prime objective was to digitalize. United States even today exists as a 60% cash economic framework, large number of people holding cash, credit cards worldwide have not been able to do. This demonetization as an outfall created a framework for these people who could never be educated, who could not be trained, what does digitalization mean? What does it mean when you go online? What does it mean to do a digital payment transfer or to take money in digital framework through mobiles and other applications? Today, 90% of this community actually is upgraded with one step of demonetization and the digital frameworks coming into play. Now, given this fact, it clearly shows. Now, that's where the confidence is. That's where, in my opinion, is empowering the system is. Yes, those big ticket transactions can always be tracked because it is a small ticket transaction which actually hamper the common man. commonest of become common. The big transactions always go through the RBI network even today whether it is through the SBI and fortunately uh, unlike large number of other countries where all central banks directly linked with the bank we have a middle agency called the SBI which was created when this bank RBI was created at the time of independence by merging the three banks at that, at that time and this was a commercial wing. So even today uh, we are understanding about 94-95% of transactions in this country Across the country and overseas, actually get routed through SBI and the RBI channels. So, given that there is a ticket framework which can be tracked and tapped, and that's where even this LC problem with uh, with the uh, the gentleman, the diamond merchant. Is in question that who, how could he transact? How could that authentication fail? And
0: that's where the onus has got shifted to financial institutions now,
1: as against consumers. And I but think that's, that's that's where, that's where the challenge is, is. I mean,
0: that you know, a lot of reports are emerging that there is no legality to the framework, there is no proper regulatory agencies, or uh, nobody is accountable. So unless we have a proper framework structure and institutions, we cannot make these kind of changes at national level. Because as we as we try to move towards a cashless economy there is a lot that needs to change in parallel It's not just the uh, we create a uh, interface and we create these other numbers and then you know everything will be okay because we are you know we have to make a lot of parallel changes at the same time to make sure that you know the all this what we are doing technologically that it can be effective transition and that everyone can benefit because unless we do that each and every account holder you know each and every UI or account holder or bank uh, you know, holder, everybody will become vulnerable to the security So that's where the challenge is that we are trying to move towards the cashless economy. And at the same time, the institutions and regulator regulations and all that is not moving in parallel. So that's where you know the conflict is from my you know, assessment.
1: No, I, I fully agree. You know, it is a question of institutionalization of the system, it is a question of putting things in a framework. And I feel that's where the government is working. Please understand that they are not going to put all this information in the public domain given the fact that we understand the large number of hacking frameworks which exist in the country and outside which we are going to subject ourselves in terms of vulnerability if we put all the efforts which are being put in terms of putting in these transactions in safe and secure frameworks. One thing which I can only say is that if you really look back 30 years of banking industry in this country, We have had failures, we've had failures of banks, we've had money laundering uh, uh, situations which have come in from the banking framework. We've had situations where banks have been merged smaller into larger, larger into smaller and so on and so forth. If we really look at some of the large number of mergers which took place because of some of these failures which took place in the banking framework of money laundering issues, we saw that there was a very smooth transition in the last 30 years where there was no hanky panky, there was no question of problematic situation. There was no crash liquidity crunch which got created because of these system transactions. This is where I am saying that the backbone which is needed for the framework is being developed. It is being strengthened on a day to day basis. The frameworks are being created. Regulations are already in place. Institutions are already in place. We do not need to create new institutions, although the government is actually creating some new institutions as well. But in my opinion, we don't need to create. The new institutions we need to give teeth to the current existing institutions to empower them, like if you really see the former governor who actually had to resign in not so good congenial environment uh, when Shakti dance came into picture. Plus, please understand, there were almost about 14 or 15 banks in the PCA framework for almost about a year and a half. That had throttled the banking industry. There had to be a system where there could be communication. So, it was moving from institution to an individual. And that's where the government, although it seemed as an interference, but that's where the government had to come in and pitch in to bridge that gap so that the institution start growing. If an institution is ailing, if a person is in, in, in ICU, in a hospital, doesn't mean that he will live in the ICU for the rest of his life. We need to bre- bring him back on roles to put systems in place. And that is where we it is to be system dependent. You see, everyone in the system is still the same. Every individual, we have almost about eight, seven or eight executive directors. We have about four or five deputy governors. They are still in place. No one in the system has been removed. It's only a question of the person who is supposed to act as a link so that things could move further, things could move in the right direction from the government perspective. Now, some may see it was positive, some may see it as negative. But in my opinion, the question is, it has to be institutions. I remember very well, when I was there, Alan Greenspan had led a long term in the United States and he wanted to retire. He wanted to take a shift. He wanted other persons to come in, a new method to come in. But the... Girl's economy was so dependent on him that his word was so much of importance that I remember a congressman making a statement that if he dies tomorrow, we'll have to bring him down from the grave and put him on the chair so that we see that Alan Greenspan is there at the top of the affair. That is where the problem is. It is the federal system to run the country, it is the banking system to run the banking framework, and not A, B, or C to run the country. And this is where, in my opinion, institutionalization, as you raised rightly your question, institutionalization and that's where i feel from individuals this shift making the accountability and responsibility of institutions is a major shift in trying to institutionalize the whole process of the transaction framework which is taking place in the country i am happy to some extent that the mastercard and visa at the end of the day recently when they came went to the united states president got a little threatened of the framework which is created in india please understand they have their own importance they have their own framework in the world they cannot be threatened they have developed this framework over a span of almost half a century but we have seen bigs disappear we have seen smalls and large the framework which is created in india is only for transactions within the country as of today there yes. are only a few transactions it is not for transacting around the world it is not to create another framework like mastercard or visa it is only for facilitating those people which could never be brought into the system for the last 50 years, despite having online transactions, despite having large number of banks, large number of frameworks, we have foreign banks, we have small and micro banks, we have you know microcredit banks, we have agriculture banks, we have so many kinds of banks in this country. But the commonest of the common was never put there. And this is what this payment gateway framework which the government is trying to create, whether it is through mobile, it's through wallets or others is basically to put those people first bring them into the system not on the fact that rich or influential people or educated people like you and me transact and use these facilities but those people also get a bite of this share of development and they're That's able to enrich themselves through this framework and this is where i see that this system is a parallel system to whatever has been existing and a more stronger system, which is trying to emerge. How strong it is. I'm really sorry. We will test of time. We have to be here. I, when I, the child I, 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 is born. The child has to emerge and, you know, see the environment and not all children grow in the same manner. Right. I have a friend of mine who gave children birth in the United States in a natural family. He says I have not given any vaccination to children to develop an immune system by themselves. Now in a developed country where he is developing, where vaccinations is number one and so critical, he says I am developing them and they have been existing for the last five, six, ten years without vaccination is the fact that I feel that they're going to be more strengthened if their body becomes strengthened. I think it's a question of evolution. The system yes. is it evolving. Is are it we is a question of evolution. Problems? So there right? would be hurdles, there would be problems, but I feel the framework which the government is creating, the, the efforts which the government is creating, the dynamic approach which they are using, I think is going to create that robust environment which is required and it is not again as I said for the riches, it is not for the business transactions to a large extent, it is for the masses, it is for the people at the end of the day to transact 1 rupee a day, which is something like one seventieth of a dollar, you can imagine it's almost like about 2 or 3 cents or 5 cents. Uh, transaction which you are looking at, going down to even one cent transaction. So, we are not worried about a dollar plus transaction. We are worried about transactions which are one dollar and less. And that's where, in my opinion, the framework
0: would help bridge that gap which has not been done in the last 50, 60 yes. years,
1: despite IT
0: frameworks coming into play. Absolutely. No, I hear you. Because in a lot of parts of India, so many were off the financial grid. So systems like this, you know, actually helps uh, everyone to be able to take part in the financial uh, system and get integrated. So it is definitely, you know, a question of evolution. And as long as the decision makers know where are the gaps and that they what needs to be done to fill those gaps, so that they can make a very resilient system. As long as that those, you know, aspects are seriously attended. To, then you know, all is good because everything, all systems takes time, you know, uh, as far as the evolution process goes. So, if, if you are comfortable that you know, India is doing, Indian decision makers are doing everything that needs to be done to make sure that they develop a very resilient, you know, financial uh, uh, structure, the resilient, you know, uh, other payment system and the uh, payment interface, and which uh, because if not today, tomorrow it will be integrated with all other nations, and we need to make sure that you know, the, it is a resilient system so that uh, they can, you know, evolve and take the next step. And uh, everybody can benefit from that. People who are traveling to India, people who are, you know, uh, NRIs and everybody. So as long as uh, necessary steps are taken to take the system and make it resilient, then it's all in good. Having said that, what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners?
1: I think uh, uh, there is a lot in public domain about what's happening in India. We are going through a large number of structural reforms in the last 4-5 years. It's not something which began just now. It's been almost 20 years that this country has been doing. We have seen when the world global economic crisis took place, India was fairly resistant. Clearly shows despite being orthodox or conservative in nature, we have adapted. We have embraced new technology, we have embraced fintech frameworks and i since i sit on certain juries wherein we look at latest technologies coming in i can really say that we are looking at the latest coming in this country so we are a market which where you can come perform uh, you know contribute to the growth of this country contribute to the growth of your own nation of your own wealth uh, it's a welcome approach. We are seeing that framework coming in with about almost about $6 billion coming in every month in terms of foreign direct investment. Almost about a billion is reinvestment which takes place. But about 5 billion out of 6 billion is still coming in as fresh liquidity every month into this country. Shows the kind of confidence this country has been able to give to the world at large. We are a huge community. We still have lots of demands and needs and requirements irrespective of what framework you're looking at. And we know that the large part of the world has excelled in different disciplines. This country, this region, has always been embracing whichever culture, whichever religion, whichever demographics has come into place. Whichever religion you come to this land, we are full of religions, we are full of communities, we are full of colors. And I think this is something which is important. The question of tolerance, understanding each other, is very critical. So we have all land. We would still want to be that land. And we are open to the world community. We did close our borders to a great extent because of the way we lost our independence uh, from the British and the French and others coming in and looting this country for a great extent. But even then, we don't have those hard feelings towards them. But we opened our borders again. We opened our frameworks again. And given the ID framework, the cyber framework which you're looking at, there are typically no borders existing today. Because when you look at transactions, when you look at doing business, whether you look at a person from overseas or from this country, you do everything anywhere. I remember the other day, again, not to name, but one of the largest agencies, which does the NIC.in, one of the heads, former heads informed me that actually when they were going to launch certain things, even for the IT framework, we came to know that the servers of the IT framework are kept in a foreign country. It was not within this country when they wanted a secure framework for the income tax return and everything coming in. So it is an integrated world. India has always looked at working together, moving together. We never wanted to be leaders. We never wanted to be at the top. It is something which India as a culture, as a system from society comes in, that we grow together, we harbor together. And I think it's a question of trust and confidence. If we have this trust and confidence in each other, I think we will bring prosperity to each one of us. It's important that we learn to first trust and have confidence. Yes, to agree and disagree is very important. If we do not agree and disagree, if we do not raise questions, if we do not allow diseases to happen, our antibodies cannot create the framework within the body to actually fight those antibodies. So that is also important as a framework, as an ecosystem. But to only think that those are the ones which are going to kill us apart is something which is very microscopic and very uh, myopic in my opinion. We need to look at the larger framework. And given the fact that we are enjoying the confidence in the market, it's only in the last four years we see India has really become a shining nation. Whether we, agencies like Moody's or Standard Poor's or World Bank or IMF, India is being respected for what we do. Yes, certain people always get hurt. Some people always gain. That's always the gain, whether it is stock markets, whether it is doing a discussion. Like some people may like our discussion and some people may not like our discussion. So there are always pros and cons to it. But doesn't mean that we do not go forward. Fortunately, the trust and confidence of people of this country in this government and people of the international community in India has strengthened, has risen. And that's where we see almost all numbers, all parametric numbers on macroeconomic framework going up. We are still challenged. We have still our complexities. We still have our own problems. We've been, I think, 200 years of this modern world since the United States came in. And even prior to that, we have seen problems coexist whether it is kingdoms or regions, whether it is Chandragupta Maurya's period of 350 BCE or today, there have been problems. Problems are the need and creators of tomorrow, and I think we need to appreciate them as opportunities and not as threats. And this is where I feel the trust and confidence will win the game in terms of the system framework and keeping that risk on a check. Thank you. Very true. As long as
0: we act on it and as long as we understand what the problems are and we have the willingness and desire to solve them, yeah. then all is good. So thank you so much, Aman, for participating in this roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on other payment systems and india's universal payment interface and uh, our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from understanding the complex challenges you know facing any system uh, that is being developed at a national level so even if a single decision maker can understand the complex security risks or challenges that would emerge in developing a system at a national level and the global implications based on the discussion we had today this round of dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that
1: Thank you very much it's always an honor and pleasure to be with you
0: thank you so much Aman. so risk roundup a global initiative launched by risk group is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies technology convergence and transformation happening across cyberspace geospace and space we at risk group believe that risk management security and peace they walk together hand in hand though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict Risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. It is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain, until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security, so if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on the risk kind of to watch the risk kind of webcast or hear the risk kind podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm J.H.T., host of risk kind of Sending Off. See you next time. Thank you.